What happened next? Because uh, the KGs continued, they had two more albums, but you sort of, as far as I can tell, moved over to the Cool and the Gang side of things. Yes. Yes. Uh, after the, after the, um, we were on the road, and um, with the, I guess it was the Find a Friend album, we were touring on that album, and I guess it, times were getting kind of hard. It was getting kind of hard. We had to keep uh, going back to the record company to ask for advances to continue with our tour. And I think I had, I had left and went back home for, uh, for some reason. Uh, I don't know if it was family, family situation or something, but I had left the road. They stayed on the road. And at that time, uh, Ricky Westfield, who was Cool and the Gang's keyboard player, he was he was missing um, some shows. He was uh, not making it to the airport on time and uh, missing a lot of shows, and they were getting uh, upset. They needed somebody that they could depend on to, to be there. So uh, Ronald asked me to come on. I guess I knew all their, all their material already so he asked me to come on and take Ricky's uh, place and uh, oh I was I, I didn't believe it at first when they came to get when they came to get me I, I thought he was joking I thought he was like are you serious are you serious you want Ricky West and you want me to take Ricky West's place and he's like yeah yeah come, come on man come on you gotta, you gotta do it you, you can do it so I was happy to do it. Yeah, I was happy to. Do it. Oh man, that that was like the highlight of maybe that was the highlight of my life. It's like, man, playing with Cool and the Gang, I, I cherished them and honored these guys all my life. Now I get a chance to play with them. It's like they're the top group in Jersey City. And people gonna say, oh man, I used to play with Cool and the Gang. It's like that's that's honor. That was honor. Yeah, called up to the big leagues. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I'm guessing your first uh, your first thing with them was probably playing some shows, right? Rather than going in the studio. Um. No, we had to finish up. I think we were finishing up the their album. Actually, yeah, we were finishing up the Open Sesame album. Oh. And uh, I got a chance to go in there and finish up some of those songs and. Uh, that was my first song, Open Sesame, uh, with Cool and Gang, which uh, became a big hit, big disco 
big disco hit in Saturday Saturday Night Fever. Was it? Yeah, Fever. Night Fever. Yeah. yeah, and some other songs that they that wasn't finished. I got a chance to play on with that album. That album was already. I guess you can say that the cover was completed and all the credits were were already on it. So I didn't get credit for playing on that one, which didn't bother me. Didn't bother me a bit. Yeah. I know, I know, I played on it, but I guess nobody else knew. Hey, well, that's yeah. fantastic because now viewers and listeners know that because I didn't yeah. know that because you weren't credited. So yes, right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So. Um, what was it like when you got out on the road with them? And um, were some of their tracks challenging or you took it in stride? Yes, that, that was more challenging because uh, Ricky was, uh, he was uh, a very good keyboard player and trying to step in his shoes was like, these were different parts now. These were different parts that, that colleagues, uh, that Ronald, I'm sorry, Ronald Bell had had wrote these these parts were much more complicated and more stretched out, more um, more chords played. We were playing that bubble. I mean, it, it wasn't bubble gum with, with, with KGs, but it wasn't. It was like you said, it went went up to the big leagues, and it was a little bit more difficult, challenging. Yeah, that you had to uh, play. Yeah, you had to play much harder. So uh, in concert, were you getting to play like the Lions on like Summer Madness and things like that? Or oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We uh, he redid Summer Madness, so I had a chance to play on that live. When they recorded that live version, I played on that. And uh, the one yeah. on the one that's on Love and Understanding is that the live version? That's live on versions on that record. Yeah, I guess that's well. I I haven't heard it on the Love and Understanding. I I know there was a there was a Cool in the Gang uh, album. There was a Cool in the Gang Greatest Hits. I think I guess one of the greatest hits that were back back uh, one of the first greatest hits. I think it was on that. But it was on there. If not the first one, the second one. But if it's on the the Love and Understanding one, yeah, yes. Wow, such a great track. I remember playing Love and Understanding, yes. I mean, so many of them are just awesome tracks, you know, but uh, yeah. I was yeah. just curious, you know, if you were really having to, you know, challenge yourself on some of those. and That was a challenge. That yeah. was a challenge, yes. Yeah, that music was, yeah, as we could say, heavy. Yeah, that was heavy. Yeah, so uh, but he taught, and he, once he taught me the parts, and you practice the parts, you practice the parts, and you continue to play, keep playing, keep playing them over and over, keep playing them over, and, and finally you get it, yeah, you get it. He, I, I was playing keyboards, uh, and Ronald was playing the uh, solo on that Summer Madness. He played the uh, ARP 2600 solo on there, and uh, yeah, that was great, that was great. <laughs> um, so, the Force record we mentioned before we went on air, but you know I really love it, and actually uh, I had it. A lot of the records, you know, I had everything on vinyl at one time, and yes. then I got rid of a lot of the vinyl, and I got CDs. But then a lot of the records took forever to come out on CD, 
So, yeah. and, you know, that's one of them that didn't come oh, out yeah. for a while. Yes. So, um, there's some pictures of the band in here. Are you actually in uh, any of the pictures? Do you know? Are there pictures in there? Well, like, like that. Oh, um, yeah, we had, um, actually not that one. I didn't know that one was in there, but we had, um, that one. Okay. Let me see. Not that one either. There was one with uh, some uniforms. We had some metallic. It looked like metallic uniforms that we uh, wore for the Force album. No, the only other one they have in there is that one. Oh, okay. No, no I'm not in that one either. Well, in any case, um, that record had um, A Place in Space, Slick Super Chick, which I think was a single, mm -hmm. uh, The Force, and um, maybe my favorite, Mighty Mighty High. Yes, yes. To this day, that's my favorite. Also, yes, that's one of Ronald Bell's uh, of babies. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I. Uh, he had me well, when he played it. I think he was playing. He when he taught it to us, he was playing bass, bass guitar, when he made up the song. So I got a chance to create my own keyboard part. And he, he really liked that uh, that keyboard, the piano, uh, little slick part that I play in there. He really liked that. He was like, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it right there. Yeah. Did uh, it doesn't show on here? Did you get a writing credit or no? Uh yeah. You did. Yes. Nice. Um, so life's a song, a very Earth, Wind, and Fire style track on there yes. yeah that one i should have got more credit on that one because that i created that with that keyboard part and uh clayton's the guitar part he wrote the whole song on it i, I was just doodling with those two with those two keep with those two chords playing that uh then i change it go down a, a whole step so he, he liked that. He liked that. He, I guess he came back and had a song with it. So, but he didn't, he didn't, uh, <laughs> um, he didn't uh, say I collaborated with it. That was his song. So mm -hmm. he took Mikey, yeah, he took my song and made a, a song out of it, but and took, the, took all the credit. And he made a nice song. That was a nice song. That was a nice song. Yeah. So what do you recall, uh, anything specifically about being in the studio with Cool and the Gang for a whole album and, and creating mm -hmm. that? What were they like in the studio? Oh, they were, uh, they were great. They were great, great guys. I mean, that's, that's when you got a chance to, to learn, to learn uh, a lot of music, a lot of music. Um, uh, even uh, um, watching them mix it down or uh, produce it. Uh, actually watching, sitting there with Ronald, with the engineers and watch him produce it was fantastic. It was uh, very creative, very creative. I mean, he taught us, uh, he taught me so much. And uh, the other guys, I mean, watching Cletus, how he played guitar, he and also wrote a book he was a great musician. Uh, guys were great, all of them. Uh, Spike Mickens, trumpet player. 
very quiet but awesome, awesome uh, trumpet player. George Brown, George Brown, funny guy, funny guy, yeah. And they were all business. I mean, they were all business, but we had some good times in the studio. We had some good times in the studio. I remember those days. I remember those days very clear. Now, um, you know, they would, uh, like two years later, they would add JT and, you know, totally change their sound and, and all that because they were starting to tail off in terms of uh, sales and radio play. So for my money, The Force was the last classic early period Cool in the Gang record, mm. you know, with the yes. hard, horn-driven, pure funk. Right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That album, The Force, yes. Yeah, I remember writing, um, you know, just hearing the track itself, the basic track, uh, we would we would go down to Philadelphia to record that, and riding on the turnpike, just playing it over and over and over and over, you know, till we got to the studio. So once you got to the studio, you basically knew what you were gonna play on top of on top of that. Yeah, and we didn't know what Ronald was gonna come up with the horn parts, but we had the rhythm. We had the rhythm parts pretty much, just hearing it over and over, taking that ride every night down to Philly, staying overnight, coming back going back down there. It was, that was great. Uh, Delight had a recording studio in Philadelphia. That was called uh, Delight. I think it was Delight Sound yeah, in Philly where we recorded that. And uh, I think there was some, we were, we had some Philly international guys in there writing in a different room, hmm. which was a, uh, that was great to see. That was great to see. You could walk in the next room and see them guys on the piano writing songs for the OJs or Intruders or Harold Melvin and Blue Note or whoever. Yeah. Wow, that's got to give you goosebumps right there. Yes. Um, so the KGs continued on for two more records, but you were not a part of, of that anymore? No. Uh, yes. Yes, I did. I did uh, help out with that album. They called me to come in and uh, do some studio work with that. Uh, that Kilowatt was, was the album. The album was uh, Kilowatt? Yeah. Kilowatt album, yes. Yeah, I did some uh, things on that. Uh, played on Cheek to Cheek. Uh -huh. uh, played organ on that, organ and keyboards. Uh, there was another, we had another um, guitar player that came later in the group with the KGs. His name was uh, Fernando Orocho. And he played more lead. He was like a soloist. And he, he had a song called Tango Hustle. Mm -hmm. And I played uh, piano on that one. Came and played piano and overdubs, doing some overdubs uh, on that one. That's, I mean, that's good to know, Kevin, because you're not on the credits I have for that right. record. So, right. um, yes. I thought it seemed odd that you would have been just completely, because you're still in that family, you know? Yes. Right. 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 Um, um, they they left both of us out on the credits of that one. I guess they were kind of perplexed with me leaving and going with the uh, cool and the gang. I, so 
I did get a chance to play, but I think that there was always some, I felt the vibe wasn't the same. The vibe wasn't the same. They wanted me to play because nobody else played uh, piano. So the piano parts that they had for that album, they they called me to uh, to do. Didn't worry about getting paid for it. Just wanted to help out. But it felt uh, it felt uh, different from when I was with them, and you could feel the uh, the tension. It was a little bit of tension. There was still, for my money, a lot of good funk on that record, and. Um... Cheek to Cheek, which you mentioned, was sort of like, uh, I felt like it was a little more Ohio Players kind of funk uh, vibe. That's what everybody says, yeah. Yes, yes. I think we were right in their zone. We were right in their zone on that one. Yeah, that, that was a strong track. Definitely. That was a strong track, yeah. Bass player really got off on that one. <laughs> yes, yes. That was uh, Michael Cheek, yeah. He, that was up his alley. Um we thought that was going to take off. We thought that one was going to take off big time. But again, I think the record company promotion wasn't wasn't behind them like it like it was like it should have been mm -hmm. to get the airplay that we needed. Let's face it was a weird period uh, overall because of transitioning a lot in a lot of cases transitioning toward more disco stuff and. And a lot of, uh, especially the record labels, were kind of pushing people towards more disco-y type stuff. Yes. Um, so it was tough to keep, you know, one foot still in the funk and one in foot kind of dabbling yeah, yeah, in disco. Yeah, yeah. We, didn't, we didn't like that disco. We didn't like, I guess, we didn't enjoy that too much. That disco uh, almost, uh, I guess it was more house music, yeah, disco feel. And we were we were funksters. We were, we were heavy into the funk yeah 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 well as a funk fan i mean it's like oh man that was too disco you know <laughs> you know but um it was okay i guess if it sold and kept those funk bands uh making enough money so they can continue to earn a living yeah but when they tried disco and the label didn't really push it and it failed it was like Wow, they abandoned their core and they got help, uh, hung out to dry, you know? Right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. terrible, terrible, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because they had to leave their their original sound, yeah, to, to try and uh, uh, do somebody else's music, to try to do another genre of music, yeah, disco that didn't work for everybody. Unfortunately, there weren't too many, you know, record executives who really had their finger on the pulse of funk anyway so but um that record though i want to mention also on kilowatt um the uh, kg's opening theme song was very much sort of an open sesame kind of yes track yeah. right right um and uh you mentioned the uh, tango hustle which was sort of a disco-y instrumental but nice guitar work. Was that uh, Amir or Kevin? Uh, Kevin on that, that one? That was an, uh, That was uh, the other uh, brother that came with us at at a later point. Uh, I think he came with us. Uh, did he do the Find a Friend album? I guess he started with the Find a Friend album. But um, that was Fernando Orocho. Oh, okay. And Fernando. That was Fernando with the uh, guitar on that one. The title track was another good Cool in the Gang style 
um, force it, kind of like the force a little bit, that uh, kilowatt track. Kilowatt. Yeah. Yes. And then you had the straight disco stuff toward it, space disco and good feel. And... Oh, see, now that was us, us trying to put our hand into that disco. Yeah, it didn't, yeah. didn't uh, pan out. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you were uh, working with Cool and the Gang on their Everybody's Dancing album, which yes. was their final record before JT came on. And um, they were straddling some disco, too, especially the title track. And uh, it had some strings on it and was like, you know, definitely a departure. Oh, everybody's dancing. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I think, uh, I think Ronnie, Ronald, he did that and he, he had the idea of uh, Open Sesame. He, he did it the same way he did almost Open Sesame. It starts out slow, uh, kind of churchy at, in the intro, and then he changed and then it picks up. Uh, and goes into that that uh, uh, heavy uh, disco. Uh, not not disco, not completely disco, but uh, it, it was almost it, an open sesame feel. Yeah, it was. It was like it was like cool, classic cool in the gang collided with disco. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's a good way. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. But that album still had some great funk tracks too, like Dancing Shoes, Big. Uh, Big Chief Funkum, um, at the party. At the party, yeah, yeah. And uh, enjoyed enjoyed doing that album. Enjoyed doing that too. That was uh, a little tough because that, we 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 were trying some stuff, uh, keeping it simple and trying to get that commercial another commercial hit because. There wasn't one mighty mighty high off of the Force album got played, got airplay, but uh, not too many other songs. So we were trying to trying to find that next Coon Gang hit there with everybody's dancing. I, I believe they did get a lot of airplay with, uh, with with the title track, everybody's dancing. I, you mentioned what's the name of that? Uh, one of them you mentioned, Dancing Shoes. Yeah. Dancing shoes uh, at the party, trying to find that, trying to find that next hit. I like music was pretty much uh, was definitely more disco type. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then to me, um, it's all you need. Again, had Earth, Wind, and Fire kind of. Uh, ah, yes, yeah. yes, and uh, we had a singer on that. Um, actually, that was uh, their cousin, Royal. Who did um, who did uh, the song on our first album? Um, Let's boogie. He wrote that. Yes. So he was he came in the studio and, and sung on that one. I think cool and at, at that time we were we had a lot of people traveling with us. We had the girls, we had the, uh, the girl vocals, we had the guy vocals, and uh, going on tour with that one. I believe Jay's, JT was there, but he was there traveling with us, but he, he hadn't sung yet. He hadn't sung yet. This is uh, on this album, but he was traveling with us. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, and, and that didn't, we didn't uh, get a hit off of that one. So it was like, boom, uh, 
that's when they had to, tr to ch change their um, producer. That's when they changed their producer to uh, Diodato. Yeah. Got Diodato in there, and the hits, hits start coming. So what happened with Kevin Lasseter after Everybody's Dancing? After Everybody's Dancing, uh, came off the road, came off the road again. Um, I think I just came, still playing, still playing, you know, uh, locally, locally with some different bands, but uh, uh, never, never went back out on the road. I think we got married, got married, already had my daughter. My daughter was maybe four years old then, and I think I had my son. He was, I think he was two years old. Um, yeah. Why, why, why did you, why did you part ways with the group though? Uh, after those two albums, they, they had to shut it down because they didn't have any hits. They had, uh, we had a whole, a whole entourage traveling with us and the money, I guess the money got kind of short and they had to cut everybody. I guess you could say lay everybody off. We had uh, all the extras. We had, you know, they had people playing extras. We had two keyboard players, um, maybe two guitar players and uh, all the singers. And they, they just wanted to go back to the original um, Eight guys, cool in the gang. Eight guys uh, with um, with J with JT and uh, tried JT out. So everybody else had to come off the road, and they that's when uh oh I'm sorry, I think that's when we did forecast because you mentioned forecast. Yeah, a few years later. Well, I don't know when you recorded it, but it didn't come out till '82. Yeah, '82, right, right. So we were we were working locally at the time and we just decided to uh, we got a deal with uh Ariola. um do an album we got that deal and we put together that album to see what was going to happen see if we could come back out and uh, did did a whole album with Ariola, and that i guess after that didn't take off Yes, everybody start parting ways. Yeah, that record um, I want to talk about for a moment because probably a lot of listeners and viewers are not maybe familiar with it. Um, 82 Forecast. It's called Forecast 1. That ended up being the only one. Um, yeah. But, yes. but it's a strong record, Kevin. Um, mm -hmm. It's very um, laden with hooks. You know, the tracks yeah. are very catchy. And um, combination of R&B and funk and some pop, touch of rock here or there, a lot going on. And I think it was, you know, packaged for success, but I'm not yes. sure. Um, I've heard that RCA, um, it shows here it was on RCA, but I, I've heard they weren't great at, um, you know, R&B acts R &B, back then. R&B acts, yeah, right, right. So maybe yes, that was part I, of it. I didn't know they, um, they took it over to uh, RCA. I know we did it on Ariola, which was uh, a subsidiary of uh, Arista at the time. So I don't know when RCA bought bought them out. Must have bought them out and bought the rights to that. 
to that album. Yeah, but they weren't they weren't too too high on uh, R and B acts. So most likely they didn't uh, put any any funds behind that, any promotion yeah. or anything. Yeah. I heard, I had uh, Frank Richards on this uh, lead singer from Chocolate Milk, and he was lame- oh. lamenting about you know how RCA didn't really do a lot for them, but um, but I've heard that. So, mm-hmm. but I, I I noticed on here that uh, Amir is credited for bass. Uh, yes. So. Yeah, yeah. As I said, he, he played multi instruments. Yeah, he was multi talented. Played multi, played bass, played drums, played keyboards, played guitar, and he played them all well. He played them almost as if that was his primary uh, instrument. Well, because I saw there's also another group that he was part of that came out the same time. I don't know if it had anything to do with that, but um, Tomorrow's Edition. Tomorrow's Edition, yes. That was the male. That was the male group that was traveling with us on that Find a Friend album. I, I, get, I don't know if you have the the liners from the uh, from the CD. I yeah, guess, yeah. Like the picture. Yeah, the I remember picture. that. Yes, yes. So they and finally got their own record done. They got their own deal done, yeah. And uh, Amir was part of that. He, I, I don't know if he produced it exclusively. I think uh, he and another fellow uh, that was uh, a bass player, Greg Rafford, I think, produ- helped him produce that for tomorrow's edition. Huh. Interesting. On that record, they did a cover of uh, "Walk on the Wild Side." Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of off the wall. Yeah, their but, hit record was uh, "You Turn Me On." "You Turn Me On" uh, was the hit off of that album. Yeah. So that was a busy time for uh, Amir. Um, that forecast record—I don't know if you remember these tracks, Kevin, but. Um, too much for my mind. I felt like you know there's a little bit of like Prince influence going on at that point. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely more of like the the synth funk R and B kind of thing happening. Oh okay. And uh, and r- some Rick James influence I felt on there. On there with that one. Uh, no, with um, never too much. Never too much. And uh, some chic style funk disco stuff like you're my one and only. Mm. Oh boy. Uh, you know what? I played on a, uh, a couple of those tunes. I, I don't think I, did. I don't think I remember that one. Party up. That was a funky one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, that that for whatever reason uh, that one didn't take off. So. No, that didn't take off either. Yes. How, how, how did you feel about um, the incredible success that Cool and the Gang had the next year? After, yeah, after I leave, oh, uh, and Kali's, uh, uh, Ronald Bell, he, he, he hits this uh, thing with a celebration. I remember him doing it, and I remember playing, playing it, playing it uh, with him, but then I had to leave, and then it becomes this great big hit. And uh, yeah, it wasn't a part, and not being a part of that, it, that that kind of it hurt. It hurt because all the way up to there, all the way up to that point, I was with them. And then, as soon as I leave, 
as soon as I leave, now you guys get a, a great big hit. And the hits just keep coming. They just keep coming. I was happy for them, though. I was happy for them. That, I think Celebration was 1980, I think 79 going into 80. I think that was that was a big one. Yeah, well, big. well, Ladies' Night was the first one. They oh, Ladies' with. Night. Ladies' Night was first. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, as a funk fan and a fan of theirs from the beginning, um, I wasn't wild about the new sound, but, you know, it was more pop, you know, and less, mm. less, less hardcore funk. So, um, but you know, you can't argue with the success they had. So. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's when JT found his range within them. Yeah. And, uh, ladies night, ladies night. I remember George telling the story of him walking, of him walking uh, in New York and just seeing everybody bouncing and that's how that bass line came to his head. Boom, 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 boom. And it looked, wow. And it's like, wow, ladies night, yeah. Perfect, perfect, perfect party song. Nightclub song, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, 79 was probably the peak year of uh, discotheques, so. Oh, okay, yes. Right in there, one of them anyway. There was uh, one more uh, KG's record I want to mention that came out in, um, 79 so the same year that ladies night came out for cool in the gang the kg's uh, final one burned me up yes um and yes. this was like a far cry from what the kg's had been i mean oh, very yeah. different yeah that was uh some guys that was um they took over the name and uh because kg's we had um uh, i guess we had dispersed and the uh, keyboard player that was with them in the beginning he took over the name and he formed a group with a couple of his other friends one of them was also the guitar player that came with us was uh, Fernando Rocho it was a uh, uh, another uh, couple of guys uh, a singer um, what's his name Huey Huey um, Sorry, I forgot his last name. Huey was a singer. Oh, Harris. Huey Harris, yes. Yes, Huey Harry. Uh, Kosa, Kosa, is, uh, Kosa was the kumba or drummer, I think. Uh, so they had, a, they had a couple of guys, and uh, they, went, they went with the producer. Um, um, uh, Kevin Bell, Kevin was supposed to produce that, I believe, but they went with Patrick Adams. Who, who used to do um, Black Ivory, uh -huh. and he produced it. He produced that for them. And Burn Me Up, Burn Me Up was pretty hot. Burn Me Up, I think, had a lot of airplay. And then um, uh, there was one uh, Huey Harris had wrote that Kanye had sampled. Must have been Heavenly Dream. Must have been Heavenly Dream. Yeah. But I mean, for all intents and purposes, this was mostly a disco record, more, more than funk on this. Yeah. Record. Yes. And um, it was quite a departure. <clears throat> it was. It was from the original. Yeah. <laughs> the original sound. Uh, yes. Definitely. What a difference uh, five years can make. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so what what happened uh, to your music life after? Uh, forecast 
after forecast, uh, I guess, uh, you, you know what, that was the disco era, I think that was the, the whole 80s, I think I was just, I just played by myself, I just went home, and you always had a keyboard at home, but just, I, I didn't like that disco, I, I couldn't, and the, and the rap, I think the rap came after that, rap music came mm -hmm. after that, and that, I wasn't used to that, I, I couldn't, I could never get used to it that because it was more techno techno music it was it was just beats somebody doing beats and then just rapping over some beats it's like okay where where are the self-contained bands like you know earth wind and fire i guess was still touring chicago was still touring uh there was a couple of them but the self-contained bands had just dissipated in that era even 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 the bands that were around, like you mentioned, Earth, Wind, and Fire, they like um, had fewer members, and even groups like Cameo cut down on yes. their members, right. and because right. everyone was using electronics and drum machines, and the, the horn sections were mostly, you know, uh, keyboards. Yeah, yeah, keyboards playing horns, horn parts. Yeah, yeah. So that and the music had lost, had really lost something. It was, like I, I really couldn't enjoy music at that time. It's like I don't even I don't even want to play that. I don't even want to play that. No, not that. that uh, drum machines and uh, keyboards playing synth parts. Uh, a lot of synth synthesizer uh, uh, production done at that time. And it's, it wasn't music to me. It wasn't music. It's more just electronics, like you said. Yeah. Well, not everyone was a genius with it like Prince so oh yeah oh yeah yes so you know as you look back Kevin and as we've been doing and I appreciate your time again oh um, are you surprised did you expect that the music would uh, you know still be talked about these decades later and yes yes very surprised I was surprised when you when you asked me about it course I thought it was forgotten I thought it was I didn't know anybody like yourself had enjoyed the KGs uh, that much to uh, do a, a, a whole show uh, about them yeah never never had that experience before it's like I, didn't, I didn't realize people knew that much about the KGs well that's actually a big motivation for what I do also with the show truth and rhythm is that you know, so many, the majority of artists who were in funk bands in the 70s and even to the 80s did not get, you know, most cases as much coverage and media attention as, you know, a lot of the pop artists or even jazz artists. And so, right. you know, I'm trying to right that wrong. And, oh. uh, you know, because it was so deserving of it and, you know, they don't make it like that anymore, you know? That's right. So, that's right. Yep. That's true. That's true. So yeah. what, what do you think uh, you're most proud of accomplishing uh, musically as you as you look back of, out of everything? I think uh, getting the chance to uh, record and play with uh, Cool and the Gang, I think that was my most proud moment. I believe that was my most proud moment. Very proud. Made me proud. Uh, all the family was proud of me. They couldn't believe it, that 
you know, I had made it to that point. Um, that was uh, that was a good time. That was a good time. I think I was most happy with that. Most proud of playing with Cool in the Gang. Is there any particular uh, show or performance that stands out that maybe something went wrong or 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 something? Um, was a huge crowd that you just will never forget or something like that? Uh, let's see. I think, um, I think, uh, I think, thinking back with the KGs, we were, we did a show on Randall's Island. I believe it was Randall's Island. I believe Muhammad Ali was there. Um, when we did the show, and it was, you know, it was great getting a chance to meet him. Uh, we did a show, another show, I don't, I don't remember exactly where, but Richard Pryor was there, and we got a chance to meet him backstage, hmm. and that was, that was uh, I keep that in my memories, yeah. Oh. So do you still play at all nowadays, or? Yes, yes, still play. Oh, well, there was a group, there's, local groups all around. It's a local group out here in Rollway where I'm at now, Rollway, New Jersey, and uh, we play every, well, before before the pandemic we were playing, but uh, then uh, did, I did an album, we did a, a gospel album with another group that was from Jersey City, and they had a couple of hit songs, and their name was Rise. And uh, their keyboard player fell into some trouble. So we regrouped. They asked me to come and play, and we did two albums. We did two albums, uh, mainly gospel. I think it was gospel, because the guys were in the church. And we tried, tried our hand at gospel. Uh, I don't know how, it, how good it came out, but, but uh, it was fun, fun doing. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm just doing uh, gospel um, Sunday at, at one of the churches that uh, needed an organist. And it's like uh, all the old uh, musicians, all, all the old uh, musicians that don't play R&B no more. They just go to the go to the church and start playing gospel. Gospel became became a big thing now. So I was going to say is that a lot of funk ended up going to church. I mean, if you go to yeah. churches now, you know, yeah. you'll probably come across some funky, funky right. gospel. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, Kurt Frank, Kurt Franklin, uh, a bunch of guys yeah, just blowing it up, blowing it up. Yeah. Everybody's copying off of them. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. It makes sense to me. I mean, it was always a very, such a soulful, spiritual feeling that you get from funk anyway so um yes. and uh you know of course the mothership that we mentioned earlier that show was like yeah. going to a cathedral and, and and a whole religious experience <laughs> yes yeah it was it was it was it was it's great it was great well any uh final word out to uh folks that are still fans of the music uh, yeah, well, I, I would hope that, you know, the music stays alive, stays alive. If you have it, you know, keep it alive. Uh, hopefully, 
at some point in time we'll hear it again on the radio. Maybe some classic R&B get played. Um, it's still I sometimes I still play I still play it I, st I still enjoy it. So I would hope that everybody that has it and that knows about it like yourself yourself uh, keep keep the music going. Well, I want to let viewers know that there's a, um, I think it's a two CD set out that has, um, I think all three, the first three KG al uh, KG's albums are all on a one set, um, master plan, complete recordings. So if you don't have any KG's, get that, you'll have it all, and yep. you'll be bobbing and keeping on bumping forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you so much, I got, Kevin. I got to get that myself. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get that myself. Oh, I thank you. I thank you, Scott. I thank you for keeping the music alive. Yes, I thank you for uh, your, your website. Great thing you're doing. Great thing. That's, that's great. Thank that's you. Great. You continue to be safe. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yes. All right. Be yes. well.